Our second reading today comes to us from 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in God. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in my victory. There is no holy one like the Lord. No one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come for your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by Him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble gird on strength. Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry are fat with spoil. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low. He also exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones. But the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might does one prevail. The Lord. His adversaries shall be shattered. The Most High will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to the kings and exalt the power of the anointed. This ends the reading of God's holy word. May God add many blessings to the hearing of it. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we have come into your house and gathered in your name to worship you. Enable us to hear your call in our lives. May the words in my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here together be found pleasing and acceptable in your sight our Lord, our Rock, our Redeemer. Amen. Friends, today's passage is a rich one. It's full of themes that are familiar to us. It's full of theological depth. And there's even a few theological pitfalls thrown in for good sake. Today's scripture, we jump ahead several hundred years. Last week, we discussed the Israelites traveling in the wilderness. And they were lost in the wilderness for 40 years until they settled in Israel. And as they set up their country, it became a country kind of like the Wild West with tribal overlords, with judges who ruled. And it was a very unstable form of government. Until the final judge, Samuel, came. And he was prophet, he was priest, he was judge. And he ushered a new time of stability and a time of kingship. And today's passage describes his birth, how Samuel came to be. Today's passage is a story about his mother, Hannah, who, in case you can't guess, is a story that really resonates with Heather and I. And it's a a story of pain, a story of heartache, a story of loss. Hannah struggled with fertility. 
And I have firsthand experience with how painful the pain of infertility could be. And it's a pain that sneaks up when you should be celebrating. When a friend tells you you're pregnant. When you're invited to a baby shower. When you're announcing the news of the birth of your nephew, your niece. It's a pain that is always there gnawing at you. Friday, Heather and I went to see the movie The Girl on the Train based on the best-selling book. And one of the characters suffered with infertility and it drove her to alcohol and she became an alcoholic and it caused her to lose her marriage, her job. It just destroyed her life. And as painful as infertility is dealing in our modern society, during Hannah's time it was so much worse. Think about Abram and Sarai praying for a child. Without a child, your family was nothing. A child was how your line was continued. How your wealth and your possessions were passed on. How you provided for yourself in your own age and how you would be remembered. Without a child, you were nothing. Hannah's infertility caused her husband Elkanah to take another wife, Peninnah, whose name literally means fertile. So here she is wrestling with infertility, and his, her husband marries another man who's, or another woman whose wife means fertile. And Peninnah was jealous of Hannah because even though she couldn't have children, their husband loved her more. And Peninnah had several children, and she always made fun of Hannah. And she pointed out that she had children when Hannah did not, and she used it to continually jab her and break her down. As I said, with infertility, the small things that people don't expect to hurt you are so damaging. I can't imagine when people are purposefully seeking to hurt you with this. And so Hannah was broken. And she was desolate. Her husband loved her and went to her and said, What is wrong? Am I not like ten sons to you? And Hannah doesn't reply. She knows that she cannot find comfort in her husband. She cannot find comfort anywhere. So she goes to God and prays. The scripture tells us she wept bitterly and she prayed she was so desperate that she bargained with God and this is one of the first theological pitfalls in the scripture her bargaining with God I don't believe that our God is one that we answers prayer based on what we promise to give back to God I like to think that God would have answered Hannah's prayer either way that it was part of Hannah's plan But she says, God, if you send me a son, I will dedicate him to you. He will not drink wine or any other alcohol. A razor will never touch his head. I've known two people in my life who have given bargains to God, who have said, God, if you, in both cases, it was actually delivering them from cancer. Said, God, if you deliver me from cancer, I will dedicate my life to you. One was a woman named Lavender who I went to seminary with. She serves as a chaplain in Chicago now and has a wonderful ministry working with sick and ill people and especially children. 
And she, as a teenager, was stricken with cancer and she prayed and asked God to heal her, to make her whole, and God did. And she responded by dedicating her life to God. The other was a guy whose name I don't remember. I met him at a party in college. And I remember him telling me that he was going to be a priest one day. That he had had cancer as a child and he told God that if God healed him, he would become a priest. And then he went trying to chat up with the girl he was trying to hook up with. Later I saw him in the dining room. He literally pulled out a gun and a bag of marijuana. I like to think that Lavender would have ended up in ministry no matter what. And this guy, I'm guessing, never became a priest. I think it's dangerous to say that our God is one that answers deals and bargains. But it's completely safe to say that our God is a God that answers prayers. And Hannah prayed to God and begged for a child. Later, her and her husband went to worship God. They went home and she became pregnant. And she gave birth to a son. And she took him to the temple and she dedicated him to the Lord. She gave him over to God and said, raise him, use him, help him to glorify God. And they did. I think Hannah becoming pregnant is the second theological pitfall here. One of the, co- the commentaries I read said that God is kind to those who are childless. And it pointed out Elizabeth who gave birth to John after years of infertility. Fertility. It gave birth to, uh, I mentioned Sarah who gave birth to Abraham's children. And I think that that could be painful and hurtful. When Heather and I were going through the adoption process, we had so many people say, oh, once you adopt, you're going to become pregnant. And everybody knew one person who that had happened to. And that's one person whose story they remember because it's so unusual and so outstanding. You don't hear about the thousands of people that adopt and live happy lives. The people that don't ever have children and go on with their lives that are perfectly content. You hear about the one exception to the story. And I think that's the case with Hannah, with Sarah, with Elizabeth, that these women are the exception of the story. The scripture doesn't tell us about the thousands of women that prayed to God that they would be blessed with a child and those prayers went unanswered. Because those stories don't communicate something. So we must be careful when we look at this and say that it's only because she was faithful that she was given a child. Because of what that says about those who long for children and they can't have them. But she did give birth to Samuel. And she took him to the temple and she dedicated it to God just as she promised. God remembered her, God heard her, God heard her prayers and answered them. And so she responded in kind by remembering her promise to God. And she dedicated Samuel to God. And Samuel changed the history of God's people. God impacted God's people like few did. 
We all think about Moses, we think about David, we think about these people that shaped God's people in the Old Testament. But Samuel had just as much of an impact as any of them. He took Israel from a land of separate tribes, from an unstable land under constant attack, to a strength in their part of the world, to a solid political stronghold. A place ruled by kings. He anointed Saul and later David. He spoke the truth to God's people. He changed history. All because his mother recognized that she had been blessed by God and she wanted to give of that blessing to God. And I think of everything in Hannah's story, that's what we need to carry with us. We need to remember that God is there when we are weeping bitterly. We we need to remember that God answers our prayers whether we recognize it or not. But we need to remember that Hannah recognized she was blessed and she gave of that blessing to God. And because of that, history was changed. The path of God's people was forever altered for the better. Next week is Consecration Sunday. As Jean said, it's the week when we dedicate ourselves to God and to God's church for 2017. And as you prayerfully consider what you're going to pledge, I want you to think not just of dollars. That's what we talk about so much during this time of year as we begin to prepare the budget and prepare uh, our stewardship and and what we're going to do. And it's true, we need to pay the bills, we need to keep the building going. But we need to recognize all the ways that God has blessed us. God has blessed each of us abundantly. We may have been blessed financially, but we may have been blessed in other ways. We may be blessed with gifts, with talents, with skills. We might be blessed with time. And we should take these blessings. We should ask ourselves, how has God blessed us? God blessed Hannah with her child, and she dedicated that child to God's glory. And we must ask ourselves what we can do with our blessings that we can glorify God. How can we dedicate ourselves for the rest of this year, for 2017, for the future ahead of us to glorify God? Hannah took her blessing and she used it to glorify God and she impacted thousands if not millions of people. Because she recognized where God had been faithful to her. Where God had blessed her. And she used that to glorify God. To seek to do God's will. Friends, I ask you to do the same. Think about where God has blessed you. Where God has been faithful to you. And out of those blessings, dedicate yourself to God. Dedicate your gifts, your skills, your time, your talent, your treasure to God. And do so knowing that God is continually faithful with us. That God is continuing to work through us. And with God working through us, we can impact 
our community, our city, our county, our country. We could impact our world. We've all been blessed by God. We've all had prayers answered. And just as Hannah did, when God is faithful to us, we are called to be faithful to God. Amen.